morning, church. My name is Brandon, and I serve on the worship team and the equipo de traducción español. Um, if you don't understand it, it's Spanish. Um, this is, I want to read a passage, uh, like PK said, uh, um, from the book of God that he wrote, because he just, he loves you, he loves me, he loves each and every one of us the same. Um, I'm reading from Luke 6, 43 through 49, um, and it reads as so. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is w well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Amen. Go ahead. Have a seat. My name's Ken. Uh, I get to be the pastor here. It's the best thing ever. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 32. If you've got your Bible, you can go there. If you've got your app, you can go there. Uh, if you're 0 for 2 on that, but you have a smartphone, go ahead and scan that QR code down in the corner, and that will take you right there uh, to a website that we use for Bible stuff like that. So when I was 16, uh, my family drove from Los Angeles, California area to Maine and back for fun. Uh, I was 16. That's going to like work its way into the story a little bit later. Uh, but between here and Maine, there's a whole lot of open highway. And if you're thinking SUV with a trailer behind it, I'm not sure I want a 16-year-old driving. That would have been helpful. Uh, but there's a whole lot of open terrain, and there's a 16-year-old who's really excited about things. So uh, somewhere in Arizona, I talked to my parents into letting me drive. Uh, so we drove through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, all good. And then uh, we woke up one morning in Alabama, uh, leaving my cousin's house to drive north to eventually get uh, up to Maine. Um, and, and my parents let me drive again. And there's this thing in Alabama that happens often. And it's when water falls from the sky and lands on the ground, and apparently it nourishes everything. Uh, and and we, were in, we were on one of the open highway moments uh, where that water from the sky came down, and it was happening really, really fast. Like, not California fast, but like southern rainstorm insanity fast. Uh, and so everybody slowed down. And they didn't just slow down like Fresno slows down on the freeway during rain, where you go from like 75 to 74 and a half. Right? Like, it, it was like we were under 20, and I'm freaking out. I'm super nervous. My parents are nervous. Uh, my mom is asleep in the back. But there's a moment where the car in front of us slams on their brakes, and so I slam on my brakes, and at that moment, I learned a new word. Okay? It's, it's not one of the words you're thinking about. I learned all those in second grade. Okay? That was my life. But hydroplaning is never a good thing. All right, so at that moment right there, the car loses tension with the road, and everything goes crazy. Uh, we kind of drifted off the side of the road and then down the embankment because there's grass there. Like, it doesn't need sprinklers to grow everywhere. It just kind of grows from the sky in places like Alabama. Uh, and then the car came to wrestle nicely and neatly and rested around a big stinking tree uh, down at the bottom of the embankment. And... Uh, 
I'll never forget that feeling, you know, uh, of the car in front of you slams on their brakes, I slam on my brakes, and all of a sudden, friction, which we think of in life as so often a bad thing, like, ooh, there's friction between the two of us. Like, friction is a really good thing when you're driving. Like, you want friction. You want your tires all frictioning it up with the ground, but there was none in that moment. And what we're going to talk about today is one of those moments in following Jesus. If you've been paying attention, uh, for the last few weeks, we've gotten to have three people get baptized here within our church. Uh, All three of them are in this service, which is pretty cool. Uh, But in each of their totally unique stories that happened worlds apart, there's one common denominator about how they came to meet Jesus. The three people who are telling their story up here, like right, right in this spot, all three of them talked about a moment when life lost its friction, where stuff stopped making sense. And in that moment, Jesus reached in and rescued them. That God spoke into the time where there's no friction, everything's falling, but Jesus rushes in and catches us. Jesus changes the moment where we have no friction and makes it a moment where he saves us. Brandon read the passage earlier in in Luke, and it talks about a foundation, it talks about a tree, it talks about roots, it talks about all these things that come out of us. And based on that, and based on where Jesus is, and what he's been talking about, what Brandon read, the first thing I want to say, I'm going to say three quick things. The first of those is that your life's foundation is Jesus' cross. It's not your obedience. Our foundation, as we read this, as we look at this today, is what Jesus has done for us. It's not our obedience. I mean, the reality of all of life is that you and I have so little control over everything that goes on that relates to us. Like there, some of you in here are self-made. Like you are where you are because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And the fact of reality is you've got no control over what happens tomorrow. Zero control. So when we look at foundation and a tree bearing good fruit and a house being built right and we can call out Lord, Lord, and he's not like, who is this? All of that and everything that we bring into the picture is nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us. What the good news of Jesus invites us into isn't a list of things that you and I have to do. It points us to what Jesus has done for us. And the reason why that's important today, that our life's foundation is Jesus' cross, not our own obedience, is because some of you in here have lived your whole life making sure that every T is crossed, every I is dotted, everything lines up perfectly, and you're exhausted. What Jesus is bringing us back to this morning isn't that. I mean, we, we love God because he gives us the ability to make good choices and all that. No, God's saying it's bigger than that. It's deeper than that. It's better than that. Like if, if we live our life that way, we're going to end up, go with me here, we're going to end up covering ourselves in should, all right? I should have done this better. I should have listened to them better. I should have invested there instead of there. I should have avoided all of the problems with that person and gone a different direction. If our lives' foundation is built on you and me, then everything's going to fall apart. I think there's a really simple way to read the seven verses that were read earlier that makes it a whole lot shorter. This is called the Pastor Ken translation, all right? God is good. 
you suck, try harder. Okay, if, if you think that that's a little bit too curt, like this is where we are. God is good. The only thing that we bring into our relationship with God is the sin that put Jesus on the cross. And so we can read this and say, I need to be a better tree. I need to have a better foundation. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need all this. And so the, what we're going to take from it is just 20 minutes of you need to try harder. And there's no Jesus in that. Here's the reality. And this applies to some of you and, and others. We need to get there. If white-knuckle discipline was what was going to make you and me right with God, God would have told us. He would have said, try harder. That's the way that you're going to be made right with God. And if that was the actual way, then sending Jesus to live in our place, to die in our place, to be risen for us was a waste of time. Because if we can save ourselves, we don't need Jesus. So what's the message of build a better foundation? What's the message of bear better fruit? What's the message of better? It's, it's the fact that the foundation of your life and mine is not based on us. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. There's a story when Jesus is walking around with his 12 disciples that I, I think captures it really well. Because it's not one of those moments where everything's bad and then stuff starts to get good. It's one of those moments where everything's good. And Jesus speaks into this. This is Matthew chapter 16. Matthew is the guy who wrote it because Matthew is the guy who saw it. And so he wrote down the, the big things that Jesus did that characterized his life and ministry, his death, his resurrection, all those things. Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, one of his closest followers, Peter, the guy who his stories and his eyewitness account of everything that Jesus did made up the book of Mark because Peter told these things to Mark and Mark recorded them for us thousands of years later. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Like Peter is saying what makes the most sense. Peter is saying this is how we're going to build a good foundation. Things are good right now. People love you. The crowds think you're the best. You're walking into hospitals and you just telling everybody they're healed and everybody walks out. Like this is great. So all this stuff about suffering and death and like that, that's not working into my narrative right here. He's building a foundation that's straight on the ground. No rock whatsoever, straight on the ground, because this is the way that everything makes sense to him. Verse 23, but Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Man, the, when the floods of life sweep in, which they absolutely did for Peter, Jesus is telling us you need a foundation that's not built on your white knuckles of I have to do this. Because all of us fail on things we have to do. Jesus is saying it needs to be built on me. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. And he did exactly what happens in the story. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. 
And the full power of the cross is seen through your obedience. Like if the foundation is the cross, not our own obedience, then the full power of the cross is seen through our obedience. It's not like we're off the hook here. We demonstrate, those of us in here who are Jesus followers, we live out the goodness of God through the way that we live. Are any of us going to do it well and perfectly and accurately? Not at all. There's a million more things we can say about that. But the power of the cross, the power of who God is as our foundation, as who God is as the life of God that flows through us as trees and produces good crop in us, it's seen through our obedience. The way that that works out is that at the very beginning of everything, God sees the world and says that he loves it. That means us. Regardless of how you wandered your way in here, God loves you. You're not playing from a deficit. You're not the step kid. You're not the exception, you know, like it's really cool in here, but your spot is really warm because it's closest to hell because you're here. God loves you. Within that love, God realizes and we realize that there's separation between us and God. That the sin that we commit by nature, by choice, by habit, by addiction, by us simply being human and having a pulse separates us from the perfect love of God. And so what God did to bridge that separation, to not leave that separation, to not make that just a thing that hangs in the air between us and God, is God put on flesh in the person of Jesus. God became a human. God walked into history, lived in our place, except that he never sinned. So the separation that exists between us and God, because you and I are sinners, never existed between God and Jesus. So the way that Jesus treated people, the things that Jesus said, the way that Jesus lived is the exact way that God would live. Even down to the point of giving all of it up to make a way for his children to become children. To no longer be separated from their God in heaven, their Father in heaven who loves them. That happened on a Roman cross where Jesus was handed over to be executed by the very people he came to save. At that moment, there's a, there's a double imputation. There's things that go both ways. That God's forgiveness to cover our sin floods through Jesus onto you and me. That our sin that separated us from God is washed away. And we go from enemies to forgiven and forgiven to sons and daughters of God. The way that other people talk about it is that we're made friends of God. We're made family of God because we're brought into a relationship with God. And from there, for you and me to say that we're Jesus followers means that we say all of that is for us and I'm making the individual decision today to say yes to Jesus. For those of you who are Jesus followers, the day that you asked God to come in, he came in. The day you asked God to forgive you of your sins, he took all of it. It's not like he said only a few things. He took it all, forgave us for everything. And in its place, in the place of our sin, he leaves the Holy Spirit, which is God living inside of you and me. He's moving in to fix us up from the inside because he wants to, because he loves us, because we're now family. We're no longer a broken cause. We're no longer just some mess on the side of the road. We're sons and daughters. And like a perfect father, he's getting in to restore what's been broken. And he does that through his Holy Spirit. His Spirit displays his power. And it shows the power of the cross through our obedience. And our obedience 
displays God's power through the areas, through the parts, through the things that you and I are no good at. Like, think about it. God created every person with a spiritual gift, okay? Regardless if they're Christian, non-Christian, absolutely hostile to the gospel, or Billy Graham, okay? Everybody's built with a spiritual gift inside of them. We say yes to Jesus, and that gets activated. Like, it's a key that goes into the ignition and sets us up for service within God's church. Those things that God put inside of us naturally to do, that's a gift from God. But it's the things inside of us that are hard for us, that are difficult for us, for the relationships that on our own we would burn up and walk away from. But God says, no, you're my ministers of reconciliation put into the world to make broken things and broken relationships whole again. Those are the moments where your life and mine displays the goodness of God, the glory of God do the things that we are no good at. But God comes in and changes those. There's a moment in, in one of the eyewitness accounts of, of Jesus' life where they're going to go to a city and Jesus is going to teach and he's going to heal and he's going to do all this stuff. But right before they get there, the city's like, no, no vacancy. Like, you're gone. We don't want you here. And there's these two brothers. One's name is James and one's name is John. If you're looking through your Bible, you're like, man, there's lots of books by this guy named John in there. John gets the idea, hey, let's call down fire from heaven and just burn up the city. And Jesus is like, let's tone it down. <laughs> That's not what we're doing today. But he says it's so much better because he's Jesus. And so then they move on. But the thing is, is, is John is there to witness Jesus crucified. John is the first one at the empty tomb, the first one of the 12 disciples at the empty tomb to see Jesus risen from the dead. John is there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and fills John with the Holy Spirit. And so where we see John as called down barbecue on this place, burn it up, turns into a guy who is in a holy way made soft by the Holy Spirit. He's tender. He's already tough. Like that part God keeps, but he adds to it a sensitivity. And so you read the first book that, that bears his name, 1 John. He's, it's written when he was an old man, past the point of being polite. Like, like think about your grandparents, right? They're done being polite right now, okay? And, and you could say, hey, I fit into that. You, you, that means that you're old, okay? You're saying I, I no longer. John is an old man. He's like, I'm not wasting any more words on, on being polite. I'm going to tell everybody exactly the way that it is, and everybody has to deal with it because nobody's going to tell me I'm wrong. I'm 90, like, that's John. But the Holy Spirit made him soft. So in all of this straightened to the point, he keeps calling people beloved, beloved, beloved. Because the full power of the cross is seen through his obedience, not to do the stuff that was easy, but to do the things that are difficult. The things where God needs to make the change. God's the only one who can do this. And God says, yeah, I'm going to do this. He said, out of this bad tree, out of this turn or burn tree, I'm going to grow compassion. Out of this house that's built on sand, I'm going to be the foundation. I'm going to restore it. And I think in a room like this, it's really easy for us to just settle into the easy translation. You know, that, that happened too long ago for me. Yeah, God's good, but I suck. I need to try harder. Like There's too much brokenness in my life to be able to explain this to be able to accurately with integrity say, yeah, this is for me. The final point is that it's never too late to obey God by coming to Jesus, listening to Jesus, and following Jesus. It's never too late. 
God can build a foundation in the middle of the storm. God can change the crop mid-harvest. Our lives are broken without him. And instead of saying, get things right, he says, let me be the foundation. I mean, the last paragraph that Jesus is talking about, he says, I will show you what it's like when a person comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. And he doesn't say that all those things have to happen at the beginning. He doesn't say that all those things have to happen before she's pregnant, you're not yet married. He doesn't say all these things have to happen before you've hit the bottle one too many times. It's in the middle of the storm where Jesus comes. He's the only one who can change the crop. He's the only one who can build the foundation mid-storm. And you know, if, if it's up to us, then we're going to plan. And once again, we're going back to white-knuckle discipline. Whereas God's good, we're not, we need to try harder. But that's not where we're going today. Why? Because we follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, that means that we pray. We pray and we ask God our foundation to come in and to build the foundation mid-storm, to change the crop mid-harvest. There are three things that I want us to pray for today. You're probably wondering what's been under here. That's how we keep people awake, okay? Um, first one is, uh, is we're praying for Roundup, right? There are things in your life and mine that need to get taken out, that need to get spread, that need to die. And Jesus is the one who knows exactly what those are. He's not going to come through with a weed whacker and just knock everything down because we grew poorly and he's got to start over. He's going to prune us well. And he's going to use the little pruning shears, not just the big weed whacker to just destroy everything. He's our shepherd. He's not our butcher. So in our life, he's, he's going to say, okay, these are the things that need to die today. And when he does that, he's going to replace that with the next thing. He's going to replace it with things that need to grow. And sometimes that growth is miraculous. But if it wasn't miraculous, we wouldn't need God. We would be able to white-knuckle discipline it and become our own savior by our own plans. And Jesus says over and over again, that's not going to work. You can't be your own savior. You can't plan your way out of this. We can only pray our way out of this. We can only pray the foundation up from the ground in the middle of the storm and pray the, the goodness into the crop in the middle of the harvest because it's never too late. So some of you today, as we respond, you, you need the roundup for God to come in and God to prune out the things that are bad. Some of us, we're, we're asking for miracles, the things that we've long since given up on. We need God to bring life to him. We need God to bring faith to us to believe him for it. And this is the last one, this is gasoline. Because some of us just need a controlled burn, dump it all on and lit it all on fire and make it all gone. Today's your day to meet Jesus for some of you. And ask God who created you to come into the world and forgive everything for you. When you become a Christian, that's what happens is God comes in and God forgives all of it. Nothing is left. It's been lit on fire and separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And for those of you in here who don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's the gas can for you. Where you're asking God, burn it all away, let's start over. That's what a relationship with Jesus is. It's not saying, I built on the right foundation. It's not saying, I'm the right tree, and I've got all these good crops. It's us saying, Jesus is the one who makes my life good. Jesus is the one who grounds me to the foundation of who he is, 
what he's done on the cross than not me. That's what he's inviting you and me into today. Let's stand and pray. Father God, we thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you came into the world to save sinners. Thank you that you are the good shepherd, the good gardener, who knows what we need. And you're also the one who burns it all up and gives us a fresh start with you. You're the God who gives us a past life because the things that we used to do before we met you are no longer the things we do now because Jesus came and Jesus changed everything. That's you today and, and today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Today's your day to say yes to the gas can. God, I need you to forgive me of all of my sin. Let's start over in everything. Then I'm going to give you a chance to say that today, to do that today, to pray to become a Christian today, to meet forgiveness for every sin in your life today. And for Jesus to be the new leader of your life, that up from the ashes of everything gone and everything burned, you're living a new life with Jesus as your leader. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, if today is your day, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. <clears throat> and as we close, someone's going to pray with you. So one, God loves you. He always has. He always will. He's calling you to follow him today. Two, I've got sin in my life. You've got sin in your life. And that's why Jesus came to trade his perfect life for our broken lives so that God looks at you and me and sees Jesus' sinlessness and no longer our own brokenness. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. Today's your day to accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness on your behalf. Today's your day to turn from death to life and to freedom with Jesus. Is there anyone like that where today's your day? If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. Okay, I see you where you are. Someone's going to pray with you as we close today. Is there anyone else where today's your day? If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand.